This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, you're listening to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Johan. In 2018, the performing arts community in Kuala Lumpur came together to form a new arts coalition called Reform Artsy. Um, aiming And this coalition basically aims to build consensus on specific areas of reform and policy changes in the arts sector in Malaysia. Today, I'm joined by some of the key figures of Reform Artsy. Um, June Tan, she's a member of the Five Arts Centre. And Arif Hamizan, he's the Artistic Director of Panas Panas Theatre. And both of whom are representatives of Reform Artsy. Welcome to the show. How are you all doing? Thank good. you, Rashran. Good to be here. Good to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to um, feature y'all on the show. Um, I want to start by just asking, how are y'all doing? Um, I was just talking to Arif um, before we started uh, recording, before June, you hopped on Zoom as well. And he was saying that, you know, things... things you know, it hasn't been easy, um, just as it hasn't been for the arts community in 2021 and 2020. Um, it's this constant flux um, and things are constantly changing. And right now there's the Omicron wave and, and all of that. So everything is sort of up in the air again. Um, um, how are y'all holding up, June? Yeah, I think things are so unpredictable at this point. It feels like um, we want to, we're raring to go, New Year, Tiger Year, um, <laughs> everyone's vaccinated, you know, can start. But then, right. you know, this there's still a cloud pulling us back. Um, so this transition phase and all transition phase normally is very difficult. Uh, plus, you know, the not just the economic burden, there's a lot of mental stress coming out of lockdown um, and coming out of the sense like, can I, go out and socialize uh, and that guilt right. like, oh, will I catch will I catch Omicron and then infect my whole family on friends? Right. Um, so that's still definitely hanging uh, around us. So I would say this time is uh, mentally stressful. Lah. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> Arif, how are you holding up? <laughs> yeah, no, The as I mentioned earlier, the fluctuations are, are something to, to deal with. Uh, I think maybe at this point, uh, at least for myself and my colleagues, we've gotten better at dealing with the unpredictability, um, mm. perhaps just coping with it, but unpredictability is still extremely stressful. So uh, pretty much what June said, it's it's just a matter of just <laughs> writing it out and, and seeing how things come and taking one day at a time. Yep. All right. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Reformatsi, which is this coalition of yours. Um, June, perhaps you can start by telling me what exactly Reformatsi is all about. Well, we came about in um, in 2018. This was when we just had the change of government. Mm. Um, uh, what was that government called? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, um, so there was the PH government, right? Right. Uh, in power, uh, and I think they were they had a arts agenda. So they kind of reached out to the arts community and asked um, what were kind of like our goals and dreams for the industry and then a group of us got together and we thought you know instead of actually waiting for the government to change or the government to ask maybe we can figure out what is it that we really want uh, for long term and even if the government change we'll still be pushing for it so right. we narrowed it down so we had a town hall meeting and we invited uh, all the arts practitioners and that time it was mainly in Klang Valley we had it in KL Pack and there was three sort of like main thrusts, you know, that came out. 
we wanted to focus on arts education because we really feel like that's where you build future artists and audiences. Um, we want to look at financing for the arts, kind of like more of the tax subsidies and the grant systems. How do you support uh, artists and the arts? And thirdly, we wanted to focus on freedom of expression, mm. which is this, um, you know, artists needs to feel safe that their rights are taken care of as they are maybe like challenging society or pointing out some of the um, inconsistencies and the injustice la, in society. And we, mm. we felt we needed a, maybe like a op standard operating procedure or a discussion around that to, to protect us. So these were the three main trusts. This was mm. in 2018. And, yeah. and how did the name Reformatsi come about? I'm guessing it's a play on Reformatsi. Yeah, oh dear, this is a, <laughs> this is a very <laughs> difficult question to answer because the truth is so, uh, <laughs> so banal. So literally, it was like a very corny joke um, made by myself. Right. Um, and to my horror, <laughs> it, was, it was very um, well received and everybody felt like that was uh, a pretty cool name. Uh, like, uh, you know, a play on reform artsy and reform artsy. Right. Um, there was some fear, of course, as you know, as I saw my jokes slowly being adopted. <laughs> 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 that you could, you know, of course, you know, you might be con conflating it or, you know, um, referencing something else. So you, you don't really want to remember that particular movement um, in the late 90s when Malaysia had this reform artsy, right? Reform artsy. Uh, but so far, I think it's been quite catchy. I think uh, people have remembered us because of that pun. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. The, that's the sad and funny truth. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> is, name. it is a very cool name, I must admit. <laughs> now, uh, I, Arif, um, you know, do you remember what the process of getting everyone together was like? Um, and I'm, I'm, at, at that point, I think you all managed to get together about 60 different groups, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, what was that process like? Um, well, I've actually only been with Reformatsi since 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can only speak on how I was, I suppose, the process of myself right? joining Reformatsi. Yeah. Um, there was a town hall uh, announcement on Facebook, and it's often widely shared amongst artist circles. And so I decided to join with my friends, and I found that um, Reformatsi was standing for a lot of things which, which I believed in, uh, and I really wanted to support. And I think uh, it looked to me, as someone new to the organization, as a, a valuable way for, or valuable space for artists to come together to discuss issues which we might only discuss in informal settings, such as, you know, the mama after shows or or just you know on WhatsApp groups, and and so any effort to to mobilize a group of people to you know share their interests and pressure some change I think is is quite important uh, in a, in a functioning democracy. So that's what really drew me to it. But um, I I actually think maybe June would have more to say on how people came together. Uh, yeah, June. Yeah, actually, RF, that was exactly how also I think a lot of people felt in the beginning. Um, when we had a town hall, it was well attended uh, and people signed up. So I think initially we had about 80 people who just signed up from the town mm -hmm. hall to become members. So as of today, we have 118 uh, members and they kind of represent over like 56 companies, different companies in, in, in the Klang Valley mostly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that that sense of, you know, it's really talk about arts and arts policy it's a discussion that has been ongoing 
Right. And it doesn't seem to be moving anywhere, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think even you, Darshan, uh, even as a young child, you can imagine, <laughs> you, you know what the arts means for this country. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So this sounds like, I mean, don't be an artist, right? It's that kind of um, the fear mm. that yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all have. You can't make money art. and all of that. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, so I think when something like this came about, like, okay, let's organize ourselves and let's really try and take a real step at it you know, right. see how we can change this. And we're really focusing on policy and advocacy. Right. And which, um, what type of art forms um, do you all represent? And, and you know, and does it cut, cut across um, various languages? Yeah. So we started mainly with performing arts because uh, that's where the people who started talking about it were from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea was really to come up with maybe a model of working um, and so we came out with this idea of, you know, a constant uh, secretariat and the secretariat will help like the three subgroups. Um, and then there's a larger committee that kind of runs it. Um, so we've been kind of playing around with this model for two, three years. Um, and then now I think we feel that we can actually expand that beyond the performing arts. Um, and definitely we hope to actually include now visual arts and also practitioners from um, other states. And practitioners also are, it's quite a broad sort of term. Right. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be an artist, like a dancer or a di- theater director or an actor or a writer. Um, you can also be a venue manager. You can also uh, be a researcher. You can be, um, uh, yeah, you can be a producer. So it's not just the normal things that we associate with um, yeah. artists. Yeah. So pretty much everyone who is involved in the art, the art scene in some way or form. Uh, well, I wouldn't go to that extent right. to say pretty much everyone. I mean, um, uh, I think if you have consistently worked in the arts and mm. you see it, you see this as like a working uh, vocation and career are very strong words. But I think like if you see it seriously and you're, you're working in the arts, mm. you you can confidently say I'm working in the arts. Then I think yeah, I think you can be a member of Reformatsi. And what exactly? are y'all trying to sort of achieve here and do y'all work with policymakers in in trying to uh, push for this um, change and and reforms and whatnot? Uh, I think we're open to working with uh, mostly anybody and Mm -hmm. everybody Uh, but our key focus is really trying to push for change right and push for sort of um, uh, maybe a shift in some of the policies. Right. So at this point, we're generally uh, kind of responding a lot to some of the policies that come out. We haven't had a chance to actually maybe sit at the table and kind of help define policy. Right. But I feel like that's a process. So, yeah. um, and, you know, we are actually essentially art practitioners. So the kind of main, our main job is really working in the arts. Mm-hmm. So this advocacy right now is something that we do in line with this, but, it's me is basically, you know, we still need to serve the kind of like the primary job that we do. So I think what I'm trying to say is that we move as fast as I think how, um, as how, how fast as artists can move in this kind of advocacy field. Yeah, certainly. And I think what, what's really great is this, how it is a coalition, um, you know, when, when things are very fragmented, it's difficult to push for change. But now that you guys are coming together, there's more of a collective voice and, and that's really cool. Oh, Arif, what are some of the challenges um, faced by artists in Malaysia? 
uh, I think this could be its own talk show in itself. Yeah, how long? How long is this show? <laughs> yeah. How long do I have? How long do you have? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, just to name a few, I think obviously the first thing that comes to mind for me is the pandemic. Um, I'm speaking more for people within the performing arts, seeing uh, people's motive or, or sorry, a, a source of income being being ripped from them for the past two years. Um, and uh, has been, has been difficult for, for for many people, and I think also it's also this uh, mental burden, this mental strain of of uh, for many people having dedicated their lives to their craft to working in the performing arts, for it to suddenly have uh, uh, such a tenuous future and uh, an unpredictable uh, state is is very difficult for many people, and I think um, much of the work of of uh, people in the arts and reformatsi has been to just have a space for discussion for people to to voice voice their concerns uh, and I try to identify what what the issues that they're facing are at the current moment um, beyond that um, June touched briefly upon a lack of policy and leadership um, and also definitely I think the environment for free expression is is very difficult um, there isn't uh, I think a conducive space for where where large parts of say the government are trying to support these challenges or thought provoking uh, works. Um, in fact, uh, there seems to be uh, more attempts at control of of the output of artists uh, more than anything. So I think these are just an overview of what I see. I don't know, June. Do you have anything to add on? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Arif. And kind of like what I see is this mm-hmm. very strange position for the arts. Like I feel everybody likes the arts you know right. the average Malaysian likes the arts in fact is it was the thing that helped us through the pandemic because mm-hmm. we were consuming a lot of creative products whether it was streaming whether it was music whether it was the books that you were reading so you turn to the arts to get you through this dark time and even if there's no pandemic you would you are still consuming the arts so an average person loves the arts or likes the arts right however the mm-hmm. system that we're in or the the state that we're in kind of doesn't support that kind of creation of the arts uh, and the sustainability of the arts. So now you're in a very strange situation where almost like, you know, everybody wants to have a party, have fun, um, and then you can, and there are people who are willing to put the show on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's no one who is really supporting the making of that show. Right. So then, so then you have the ones who are very keen to do it. They will put on a show nonetheless. Um, and the people who are very keen, they'll come and watch the show nonetheless. But we all know that oh, if you just had a little bit more support and the environment was more conducive, this could have been so much more interesting. Um, right. And I'm wondering, do you think that is the core problem here uh, in, in Malaysia? This, this cultivating this sort of support system or whether it's from the government or, or wider public? Because when we look at, you ask the average person on the street, like they may not know that many things things about what's going on in the Malaysian art scene um, and that may give you the impression that there's a lack of talent but when you actually explore the art scene you know like whether it's independent music whether it's performing arts um, uh, even like smaller shows that, that's being put on uh, one person monologues and, and so various things paintings and all of that we know that the talent is there and the talent is it's, it's not just uh, relative or whatever the talent is there in terms of international standards and and all of that, right? That that's it just is. But yet, it's it doesn't. It always feels like this, just this niche thing, 
where like this niche bunch of people, like you said, will go and watch and, and talk about it and things like that. But the rest, the wider Malaysia doesn't know that, you know, that these talents exist in the country. So what, what what's the problem here? I think you hit it on the nail actually because I think intrinsically we 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 see the value of arts. We know that we feel it, and um, so you have you have artists who are still very resilient. You have people who are still very resilient in wanting to present this. I mean, for example, Five Art Center. We're thirty eight years old right. you know, this year. So in a situation where you know your career is not supported, it's not sustainable. But how do you still remain in this, you know, so called industry for thirty eight years? Because there are people who still come and watch your show. Because there are people who still want to support your work. So, like I said, it's a very strange situation where people want you around, but you just don't have the extra push to kind of like make it more sustainable in your life. And also something I feel, this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. um, that I think if you want to be an artist, you still need to be very much part of society and community. So, um, like a full-time artist... The idea of full-time artist, what does that mean? You know, do you just like stay at home and wait for inspiration? No, I don't think so. I think you're still very much part of uh, functional society. You know, you can have uh, you can have different bosses. You can actually go to the working force, but you are also an artist. So the art part is the one that we all want it. Actually, mm-hmm. it's just that the government is not supporting. Um, and there's also a distinction between what I see are like um, commercial products, uh, design-related products, which come, I think, after the slightly more experimental, the more like research-based, the more right. like provocative artwork Definitely. that needs to come up first. You know, there's a great scene in The Devil West Prada where um, Meryl Streep explains to, uh, uh, what's the name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Correct, that's right. Um, <laughs> about you know about the, the the sweater teal, right? She said, Oh, you mean this green sweater? And she goes on to explain, like, you know, it was teal and it was first seen on a runway, and then eventually it goes into Walmart, and therefore you're wearing it today. So, in a way, like a lot of the experimental artistic work that is done um seems really like unusual or seems really like strange for society, but it gets it's the thing that triggers and pushes and and like anything that changes right at first everybody's like what is this this is weird but eventually we're already eating like you know cheese and um kimchi you know so it's <laughs> it becomes it becomes normalized so that's what artists uh, it's all about you know we're, we're there at kind of like triggering society and being in a way thought leaders uh, for those who see ourselves as that lah. yeah right i think if i if i could yes. add um for I think the, what whatever June said, I don't think policymakers truly understand that. Um, we've heard maybe over the past year or so of these sort of ambitions of Malaysia creating an Oscar-winning film and comparisons right. to Parasite. But ultimately, I don't know if these policymakers even saw the movie because Parasite <laughs> is about criticizing elites. Right. Yet we have people criticizing elites here being charged criminally in court uh, every other week. So. Um, they don't seem to understand that there is a lot more groundwork and and intellectual uh, development that happens before the actual creation of the product. On the show with me today is June Tan and Arif Hamizan of Reform Matsi, which is a coalition that aims to build consensus on specific areas of reform and policy changes in the arts sector in Malaysia. After the break, I ask them if Malaysia's multicultural landscape is a hindrance or a plus point when it comes to the growth of our art scene. We'll be back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jun Tan, a member of the Five Arts Centre, and Arif Hamizan, Artistic Director of Panas Panas Theatre, both of whom are representatives of Reformatsi. So, Jun, Arif, what exactly is the role of art in society, right? How do we convince people um, that it matters even if it isn't this huge economic booster? Because a lot of times you can talk to people and say that, oh, if you do this, it will make money. Then people will be like, okay, um, maybe it's something we can consider. But without that, um, just like what y'all are talking about, this idea that there are artists um, today who are creating essentially um, arts that critique society and, and all of these, uh, and, and, I mean, like the elites of society and critique capitalism. Um, even when you go to small art shows or whatever, even something like if it's short, but, short and sweet and all of that, there's a lot of political sort of shows being put on that people don't know and, and and because it's not it's not this huge mainstream big bonanza kind of thing and all that how, how do you convince people that that it matters beyond just this this whole economic side of things i think two things lah so firstly i think you know there are different type of arts right mm-hmm. there are different so there's experimental art and things that are slightly more thought-provoking. And then there's maybe things that are slightly more accessible. Um, and then that's for another audience. Mm-hmm. So there are different types of arts. And I think you need to treat each one of them maybe differently. Um, so I think the government needs to be clear about that. So don't lump us into tourism and, and don't lump <laughs> us into the same category as a Mariah Carey concert right. because we're, we're both live arts you know it's like that's ridiculous you know so they, they have to be more nuanced about their approach to arts uh, and cultural work and I think secondly to answer the question about the economic model uh, if anything I feel like you know the pandemic has really taught us that that kind of thinking is really flawed and it's it's so behind its time uh, simply because of the fact that you know you know, when during lockdown, we were told like these were the essential items, right? These were the essential industries that needed to be open, like industries that save your life, right? Industries that brought food to your table, um, industries that like had transportation so that they can bring food to your table and stuff <laughs> to you. Um, so these were essential. I'm thinking to myself, so it's essential to stay alive, right? Right. For one day and then stay alive for another day. And then the third day, and then fourth day. So you are staying alive for, for what? Mm-hmm. You know. So there's a ventilator going on. It's keeping you alive, right? So that's essential. But what are you staying alive for? So the other things come into play. You know, you're staying alive for your family. You're staying alive for your interrelationship dynamics. You're staying alive for thinking about dreaming up things. You're staying alive about. Um, improving yourself you're staying alive about thinking about all this philosophy and ideas and that essentially is I guess human society mm. and evolution right right because if you wanted to stay alive and survive you could right you know you could so there's a whole always you get this argument oh arts doesn't pay the bills arts not about survival survival is more important then you think about it so why is it important for you to survive right <laughs> you want to live every day and do what so you know amassing wealth cannot be the sole reason why you are alive. Yes. So, so I think that economic model, and clearly the environment has shown us that it doesn't work. You just cannot keep thinking that you know, profit is the main thing, you know, money is the main thing. You just cannot live like that anymore. So yeah. it's not just a transition for us coming out of lockdown. I feel like 
Malaysian society also needs to kind of take this transition um, bull by its horns, you know, and decide, do, do you really want to accept this kind of like transactional capitalistic society um, and not look into the other things that really keep, make you feel alive, which is the arts, which is the culture, which is everything else that you do on your colonial free time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How big of a problem is censorship when it comes to our arts industry here in Malaysia? Massive, <laughs> massively important. Uh, uh, I think it's a, it's a big problem. Um, and I think uh, there are probably two levels that I see to, to the issue of censorship in Malaysia. Like, obviously, we have the censorship which happens after the fact, after the art is created. So what happens to artwork which the government deems uh, unsavory or, or something which should be censored? Like, we have seen cases of uh, Fabi Reza being brought to court multiple times. You can't really speak about censorship without talking about Fabi at this point. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got uh, people like Ahmad Fouad Osman, who was an artist who had his artwork arbitrarily removed from uh, Balai Sini uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and what this does, obviously, is intimidates um, a lot of artists and, and creates this culture of fear where you don't really know what is okay to be said, uh, what will uh, cause you trouble. And, and because of that, it, it restricts, I think, from a very subconscious level, what is being spoken um, on stage or, or in, in whatever artworks. So um, that's that's one major issue, the, the existence of all these laws which allow the government to restrict all of our expression. But I think um, a less visible aspect to the issue of censorship is probably the bureaucratic or stu- structural uh, impediments that already exist um, that are probably only faced by people who create work. So for example, something which Reformatsi has worked on is uh, looking at laws such as the Entertainment Act, uh, which uh, grant a lot of power to say the mayor of Kuala Lumpur to decide which performances get licenses uh, to perform. Um, Because if you don't get a license to perform in Kuala Lumpur, then uh, it's considered an illegal performance and you can be sued and you can also be uh, sent to jail for it. Mm-hmm. And so the discretion uh, to decide what shows are being uh, uh, staged already happens before so, uh, something comes to comes to light. Um, there may be shows which which never get to be staged purely because uh, whoever is in power doesn't want, uh, doesn't give them the license. And I think uh, that's sort of the invisible side of censorship that we don't see. So um, yeah, I mean beyond the you know the the spectacle of, of people going to court, being people being tried to court, there are people who are not even given the chance to say what they want to say. Right. Uh, and, and, and the laws which exist really need reform in that, in that regard. Arif has hit the nail on the head. This idea of this mechanism of censorship and the invisibility. So when an artist gets censored, and again, like Tommy Reza, it's very clear that he's the one that is being arrested. But actually, who is the one that, put, that, that wants to silence him? So we know that we know that we know his artwork. So he's exposed like this. We know it's him. We know his artwork. But who's the other guy that made the complaint, or even mm. any other show? Who's the guy that feels like your show should not go on stage? Like, in, in if you know who that guy is, could you not have a discussion with the artist in a forum, in a panel, and tell us why you think that that show could not go on? Because if you feel like that show could not go on, maybe there were hundred people who feel that the show should go on. Right. Um, and they're not about to stage a protest, right? And <laughs> your door. 
But so this this invisibility is very problematic because it's so one-sided. So we don't know who is the other. And, and actually, once so we cannot engage you in discussion. And I think that's the most debilitating thing about censorship. There is no further discussion about this issue. And how do you possibly want to move on as a society if you can't even talk about things? As artists, how united are artists in Malaysia when it comes to these issues, right? Because I'm also wondering, like, you know, when we look at our Malaysian landscape, um, you know, uh, how multicultural it is, I wonder if this is a a plus point or or a hindrance when it comes to our growth, um, you know, the the growth of the art industry. And I'm, I'm talking about, because like, even when we look at, let's say, uh, films and and I'm not saying like many different languages is necessarily the problem, but it does feel like sometimes um, different languages are working in silos. Well, I really appreciate the differences. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, clearly with the amount of public holidays and celebrations <laughs> and the food that we get to enjoy, clearly is like plus plus point. Right. Um. And what you mentioned about silos is, I feel unfortunately true. Um, so I wish there was a way where we could actually maintain that diversity and celebrate our differences and not turn us into like one type of Malaysian, but mm. many different types of Malaysians. Um, but at the same time, make that accessible. Like and and because this society is kind of like designed this way, it still remains on the onus of the audience or the rakyat to actually go out of their own kind of like of their own zone sometimes. Mm. Um, and yeah, like that you just kind of need to push yourself for that. But yeah, I don't think it's a a, a non like a disadvantage. Uh, Reformasi itself, we've got quite a diverse group of people. Um, and but yeah, like, I still see them from that lens. Like, okay, this is Chinese theater people group. This is like English people, English uh, language group. And this is Malay language theater group. Um, but I don't necessarily use that. Le- I don't necessarily think that lens sort of like impedes me or stops me right recently we had uh raised an issue with the slango entertainment duty uh and across the board anyone in slango working in the arts will support that uh, will support this idea that you know uh they're taxing us too heavily but at the same time there are certain issues which may apply more to minority groups to certain right. uh, marginalized groups uh, and i think um I don't think we've ever seen uh, within reformance anybody opposing certain, certain uh, the, the, the validity of certain issues. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, th- there is, I think, a, a, a different cross-section for a different type of issue. Mm. Yeah, but I, I do admit also there is, um, that I think that togetherness is there. It's just that we haven't been able to reach out more. Um, and like, for example, this program, right, it's just going to be listened to by people who speak English, you know right. what I mean? It so, is. and um, then, for example, maybe like the people from other languages will agree with us, maybe, um, but we will, it's hard for us to find a platform to actually sit down and talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel it's changing. I feel like we all want it. So we're all trying to find ways to engage each other. Lah. So, so with that, I would just want to say like, even though we're speaking English now, <laughs> like other language <laughs> people. Please come for the Reformasi Town Hall um, because these are these are issue based uh, stuff, and so I think people should kind of we should be able to relate to that. 
Yeah, I yeah. think certainly. So on that note, um, since you brought it up, um, tell me about the town hall that's happening um this weekend. And also, um, you know, generally in when when y'all uh, you know, what, what sort of programs do y'all run and what what do y'all hope like these programs will try to achieve? Uh, maybe Arash, you take the lead because you're pretty mm. busy this year with all the um, censorship and freedom of expression. Like there was a lot of cases uh, last yeah. year, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so <laughs> there have been a lot. Uh, so the town hall is um, uh, basically uh, uh, Reformatsi's way of announcing to everyone to, to attend this meeting to update um, uh, everyone on the progress of what's been happening over the past year and also uh, what we hope to do in, in coming year and also to invite new people to join uh, Reformati, to join the organization. Um, I work mostly with the Freedom of Expression subcommittee. So over the past year, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's because the landscape has been severely affected by the pandemic. Uh, a lot of our work has been about researching and trying to identify certain issues. So um, things perhaps that maybe uh, artists have never had the time to uh, discuss or, or, or have not come across before. For example, there was a research project looking at how freedom of expression works in Islam um, and how that translates to a Malaysian society and how it affects artists here. Um, mm-hmm. There have also been... Uh, our collaborations with other uh, NGOs where we present an artist's perspective on censorship and, and what we're facing. So uh, like June mentioned, it's really about identifying the issues of freedom of expression and then trying to advocate for them in, in whatever ways that we can, as much as we can. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, the, the pressing issue right now, the, the one that we're working with the policymakers on right now is um, to get the um, entertainment duty in Salango to uh, be at least temporarily withheld uh, because it's caused such a burden, especially during the pandemic and after the pandemic. Uh, financially, a lot of people can't afford the stage shows without the tax even. So with the tax, it's become really, really difficult. Um, and yeah, and I think I think these are, uh, Reformatsi and the town hall is a really good way for anyone who's working in the arts, who's interested in trying to affect change, uh, to join that and, and contribute whatever uh, expertise they have uh, to to supporting us. Um, I should mention, like uh, diversity in our in Reformati isn't only restricted to say race or religion or culture. I think uh, because being a working artist also means that you might need a second, uh, a main job, or like a day job. We have lawyers, we have researchers, academics, people in marketing, and it's been a really um, heartening thing to see everyone come together and contribute different. Uh, types of experiences to to making a change for the arts. I thought you were going to put uh, raise up the diversity of ages. So, oh, and age. So yeah, three areas. Yeah. You know, arts education, um, financial mechanisms, and freedom of expression. So these are the three areas. So there's actually some. This three. If you're interested in any of this three, uh, come on down to the town hall and just engage with us. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, before I let y'all go and wrap this conversation up, um, how can people, um, the, just the general public, support um, Reformatsi? Uh, yeah, I think if you're an artist, uh, I think if you're keen in, and interested in this kind of change at policy level, you know, come and join us, be a member. Um, come and join the committee because that's when you really get engaged and, and kind of like 
carry out the work and 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 figure out things and how to move mm-hmm. things along. Um, if you're a member of public and want to support us, please share our posts. Please um, amplify when we raise certain issues um, because that will really help because we, we want to be this counter voice also to show that um, not necessarily we agree with everything that the state does. Yeah. Or, you know, we just want to open a discussion with the state actually. Yeah. On that note, June, Arif, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, thank you. That was June Tan and Arif Hamizan, representatives from the Art Scene Coalition Reform Matsi. If you missed any part of the conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Darshan Johan, and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.